Welcome to Gardening Talk back on to and you RFM. Greg Richard here with Scott Sharp. It's been a few weeks, Scott. Great to see you. Great to see you again as well. What's been happening? Well, it's been raining a lot, and that's made the gardens grow, so it's been really good for them. I was looking at my backyard today. I've got some Fertinia golden uh, rubinias at my house, and I thought, wow, you've you know, you've know sort of lasted actually quite well, and this rain's just going to keep them going. Uh, so, look, I thought we'd talk today about uh, some hedging plants around the garden, Fertinia uh, yep. and Sysigium cascade. Now, Scott, a little bit earlier, you mentioned hedging plants. Yeah, Sysigium cascade's a really great hedging plant, and yep. it's uh, growing really nicely at the moment, and I think the the reason I've noticed it is because we've had the bit of rain and so like so many other plants out there they've just you know sprung on all that new growth's coming on they're saying thanks very much the thumbs are up and they're very happy plants at the moment but the beautiful thing about the uh, cascade is that the new foliage uh, you know the, the normal foliage is just a normal old green yep. but the new stuff comes out this really bright uh, beautiful pink color uh, and then it sort of hardens off, it goes a darker red, and then finally it goes to that very hard green. So at this time of year, once you've had the rain, a bit of growth, absolutely spectacular. They are an amazing hedging plant. People swear by them. I've had them myself uh, in my own garden. Uh, they also get the uh, beautiful Syzygium uh, pom-pom pink flower on them as well. But the great thing about them is they're not immensely tall. Uh, you probably get them up to about three metres three and a half metres high. All right, that's not very tall at all. No, not really. So they're not going to take off on you and go crazy, so they're quite good to have around the house. Uh, they get about two metres wide as well, and like all lily pillies or syzygiums, they're very, very prunable. So you can just hack into them, and they will grow back for you uh, very, very nicely. Uh, so, the, look, the only thing about syzygiums is that they are native, so you just have to be careful about the fertiliser you're giving them. Uh, look, no cow manure or poultry manure, just either a specific native fertiliser or some blood and bone. But at this time of year, you really don't need it at all. Uh, you can, you know, keep them nice and square. You can let them get a little bit shaggy if you want these uh, syzygium cascades. Yep. They'll grow out in the full sun. They'll also tolerate... Uh, you know, quite a bit of shade as well. I remember in my old house at the junction, uh, they were on the eastern side of the house with uh, overhanging eaves and they're still looking very, very nice there uh, to this day and they're tolerating it. They're very thick. Uh, you can't really see through them. Uh, and that's that's another great uh, thing about them. They also will tolerate some salt splash from your pool if you need to. Okay, right. Yeah, so you can have it as a, a screening plant around your pool. I thought you said a salt splash. No, no, no. Salt splash. Salt splash. Yeah, you know, the stuff in the ocean yep. that you put on your dinner. That's what it's... Oh, yeah, sea salt, sorry. Sea <laughs> It's been a slow start to my feet today. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll get out of second gear. Don't worry. It'll be good. It's guarding talk back on to you are RFM. We've got Owen from Wall's End, and he's got a question about his lawn. Hello, Owen. How can we help you? Well, with all this dry weather and all that and uh, water restrictions, our lawn's a bit, a bit worse for wear, so I thought I'd better start doing something about it. Yeah, so what's happened with it after the rain? Has it has come good for you? Oh, yes. It's... Uh, it's come uh, come up uh, pretty well. I've still got you know, bare patches and things like that, so I thought I'll get some fertiliser. I've got the fertiliser in, but uh, I thought there might be something extra. Yeah, look, certainly the fertiliser is important. Uh, now that we've got the uh, slightly cooler weather and we've got the water there. So the grass can actually now start to use that fertiliser to improve its root system and its, uh, you know, folio growth. So, yep, definitely get out there and give it some fertilising. The other thing uh, to do, Owen, is to get some uh, uh, chem go get some chemicals for 
army grub black beetle or uh, mole cricket. Uh, they're all pretty much the same. And get out there now and preemptively, you know, have a preemptive strike, I guess, and have a uh, spray or whichever way you want to apply it, just to get that army grub under control because at this time of year it will start to take off. And because the grass has been slightly stressed, uh, it's going to suffer really, really badly. So, yeah, look, I think they're the two things to do at the moment. Uh, get uh, Have that preemptive strike against the army grub uh, slash black beetle slash mole cricket. Or and to get out there and uh, fertilise as well. What do you rec- what chemical do you recommend? Look, there's a number of different ones out of the, out on the market. It really depends how you want to apply it. Uh, like I said, you, you can uh, spray it. Uh, you can water it in with a watering can. There's granular ones that you can shake on. There's ones you can connect up to the hose and just spray over the lawn. But uh, like I say to people, the most important thing is applying uh, later in the evening when those insects are coming back up to the surface to feed. Going out and doing it in the middle of the day, uh, you're not going to get a very good result. And I think that's when you know people ring up and they've, you know, they haven't had a good result keeping the army grub under control. It turns out that usually they've applied it in the middle of the day or just after they've mowed the lawn. So always important to go out there on dusk and uh, apply that chemical at that time. You will have the best result. Okay, good on you, Owen. Thank you very much for the call. Bye-bye. Bye. Now, Scott, I do have a question for you. Oh, good. I love it. I love it when you answer And it's also, questions. it's non-chili related as well. Good stuff. Let's go with it. Something completely different. Sweet potato, getting big sprouts on it. Yes. Can I plant it? Hello, you had it in the fruit bowl, mate. Oh, it's been a while. I reckon a couple of months, to be fair. Maybe Ooh. a month. <laughs> that doesn't sound too good. Uh, look, yeah, you can plant it if you want to. Okay. Yeah, uh, there's a couple of provisos there with it. Right. Do you want to hear those? Yes. Yeah, it's probably a bit late now. Oh. Yes, sweet potato, they're more of a sort of a subtropical plant. Yeah. So it's not really going to grow too well now in uh, the cooler conditions that we're about to have, and especially because you need to about, about three or four months for those tubers to grow in under the ground. Right. Yeah, so that that's probably styming you a little bit. But I, if look, come winter, in the middle of winter, if you just leave one in the fruit bowl for a few months and let it sprout, yep. then in spring you can plant that in the ground and okay. let it run then. Rightio. Yeah. So I'll wait till spring. Yes. And then I'll come back and ask you, what do I do? Yeah. Now, I've got another question for you. Have you got a fair bit of space at your place? Space? Yeah. I've got like those big sort of a tray sort of... It's probably about a two-metre tray. Okay, well, that might work well because potatoes and sweet potatoes, they just take over yards. I remember going to this place in Cooks Hill to do a bit of a clean-up for them and they'd had the good idea of planting some sweet potatoes there and it had literally taken over the backyard of this terrace. Right. Yeah, it was up over the fence. It was starting to grow, you know, up the veranda as well. Uh, It was a big job to clean that up. And probably you're never going to get rid of it because those tubers are in the ground as well. So unless you harvest every single one of them out, it's going to take over and, and, uh, you know, start up again. Right. I'm a little bit concerned about doing this now. Yeah, they can be a little bit like the, you know, the cars that ate Paris (laughs) as far as plants go. Yeah. Right. I'm very reserved now. But, look, a really tasty plant. Easy to grow. Uh, it sounds it. Yeah, they, look, they really are easy to grow. Uh, there is a bit of a, like I said, a time lag um, to actually get them out of the ground, you know, three to four months uh, down here. But, um, look, otherwise, uh, very, very simple to grow. I, I think the best place to do it is, like you said, if you've got a raised garden bed of some sort, yep. grow them up in there. The actual leaves will grow down 
you know, over the ground and down. You can prune those back if you want to, but those tubers are going to be contained in a nice, you know, pot for you. Uh, but you would need a fairly large one of those garden beds to do it. Right, so it's only probably about that high. Yeah, look, that that's not a problem. Thirty centimeters. 30 centimeters that's not a problem uh, because they're not, you know, incredibly deep rooted, but they will spread out. So, look, I think that's probably a better way to do it than allowing them just to take over the garden. Right, and just keep on top of them. Yeah, but look, the other great thing about them is they are very hardy. That you know, no real pest and disease uh, here in Australia. Uh, yeah, just leave them be, and they'll look after themselves. Dig them up, feast right. away. So I'll wait till spring. Till spring, make sure you've got a nice contained spot for them. Will do. Will do. I'll have to write it down because I will forget. Okay, I'll, I'll send you a memo. <laughs> then we've got Scott from Arcadia Vale, and he's got a question about ginger and also chilli plants. Scott, welcome. Hey, mate, how are you? Very well. How, how are you going through life with a fantastic name like that? <laughs> oh, fair to middling. <laughs> mate, a quick question. Chilli of Blake gave me years ago. It was just a mongrel breed that he started off, and... Um, I've taken the seed off it, a red chilli. So will I get red chilli off that? Yeah, look, yeah, all, all chilies, I guess they, they start out green and then they'll ripen up uh, and, and become red. But look, yeah, you'll certainly get a red chilli out of that one. Right, okay. And the other one, ginger. I had ginger growing like you would believe. Yes. And I think I've got like a fungus in the ground. When you dig the soil, sometimes there's like a white stuff in it. Yep, sounds like and it. Just killed it off, eh? Okay. Uh, look, to try and get rid of that, the best thing you can do is get a fungicide. There's uh, one called copper oxychloride. It's just a blue powder. You mix it up in the watering can yep. and then you drench the soil in that area. There are other systemic um, fungicides you can get. One's uh, called phos acid. Uh, that's the actual chemical that you find in there. It will actually yep. be absorbed in through the plant and go down uh, into the ground. Uh, you drench it into the soil as well and that will clean up the area for you. It'll get- yeah. Okay, no worries. Yep. Yeah, so one, one of either of those will do the job for you. Yeah, right. Up. Too easy. Okay, thank you, Scott. Cheers, mate. Go forth in life. Will do. See you, mate. <laughs> Cheers, boy. It's a great name. It is a great name. You don't meet too many people with it. We have got a Prime Minister with it now, the name. I not, know. not a big selling point there, is it? Well, not at the moment, no. No, not at all. But well, not for us anyway. No, no. <laughs> We've got Lisa now from Martins Creek, and she needs advice about getting rid of pigweed. Lisa, how can we help? Oh, look, um, yeah, so it's just gotten out of control. Um, there seems to be about, or oh, I think about an acre full of it. Wow. So it's in my house yard, which is, and I live on a few acres, and um, I've Googled it, and it says the only thing you can do once it takes hold is to pull it out. Yeah, that, that's right. I mean, uh, some people actually grow pigweed, I guess, like a little succulent um, and, and let it, you know, spread out like that. There's not much you can do about it except pull it out. Now, the trouble with it is, as well, is that it has uh, lateral roots. So as it goes along, it's sending down little roots. So it is going to be difficult for you to get rid of. So you've got to, I suppose, the old prevention is better than cure. It, look, it certainly is. I don't even think you can introduce, uh, you know, certain animals on there. Eating it might make them, um, you know, a little bit sick. Unless, yeah, yeah, unless you've got yeah. some goats to get in there, they might have a crack at it. That's probably the only thing then, the goats. Yeah, it really it? is, yeah, because that doesn't... Because it's, it hasn't got bindies or anything in it, like it's just a weed. Yeah, so... that, that's right, yeah. But it just takes over, and I and I think it's resistant to a lot of pesticides. Yeah, look, zero, you know, zero or Roundup, whatever you want to call it, will kill anything that it touches. Um, but of course, you said you've got quite a large area, and that's then yeah. going to leave a whole lot of exposed bare ground. 
uh, you know, underneath where those, uh, you know, when that weed does die off. And again, you'd have to be persistent about doing it. So, uh, you know, whether Roundup's actually the best way to treat it, it might be better to, you know, get some sort of um, livestock in there, like some goats to try and clean that up uh, and see how you go there. Okay, not a problem. Okay, sorry about that. Very difficult one to get rid of. No, that's okay, I thought so. Um, But anyway, no problem, thank you. Okay, thank you. Pat, how can we help you today? Oh, right, my husband has uh, is going to plant um, uh, ranunculus. Yes. And he wants to know when he would plant them. Yes, not quite yet, um, but in a, in a little while, once we get rid of that uh, that humidity out there. Right, so they, they, they told him about Mother's Day. Yes, that, that's probably about right, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, he's anxious to get them in, of course. And and he, yeah, so yes, sorry? I said he's anxious to get them in. Yeah, so <laughs> he's look, got everything prepared, kind of thing. You yeah, know? it's it's once that humidity goes out of the air. That's that's the what the ranunculus don't like. Uh, right. Yeah, they're very susceptible to fungal disease. So we just need oh, to wait till I that humidity's gone. Yeah, but they're not hard to grow, are they? Look, they they really aren't. They're very very easy to grow. Uh, right. They just grow from a little corm. Um, it's not yeah. really a bulb. It's this funny looking, uh, funny thing with oh, no like little. Yeah, we've got the, we've spikes got some, coming some out of, of them already, you know, and uh, he picked, got them for Victoria, and uh, he had them ordered early. So we've got those and tulips that he's putting the ranunculus in first. Yeah, look, so if he, if he were to stick them in now, what would happen is they'd pop up, they'd grow, uh, the humid weather would continue, yeah. you know, through until March or so, and, you know, you just get fungal disease and they'd die off on you. So, yes, it is better to continue waiting. To wait. Okay, then okay. I'll tell him that. Thank you very much. Okay, thanks for that, Pat. Have a nice afternoon. There's a Bob from Baroque, and he's got some information about getting rid of pigweed. Hi, Bob. How can you help us? Yes, Scott. um, I've had it out here too, and I found the cows will eat it. Okay, and they don't get sick? No, mate, no. And if you eat it right down and then mow it, get a few hot days, maybe a storm, and the other grass will take it over. Right, okay. So it's, it's the other grass will grow much quicker than it and take over eventually. Yeah, as long as you get a, a mow it and then get a few hot days and it dries it right out, the other grass will take it over. Right, and do the moo cows like eating it? Yes, mate, they did. Okay, very good. Okay, well, there's some information uh, for, for Lisa um, from Martins Creek. That might help her out if she's got a couple of uh, the bovine creatures <laughs> up there to help her. Well, all I can say is it worked for me, mate. So. Right. That's that's good, and that is uh, uh, good at any as anything. We always need those sort of recommendations. So, thank you for that, Bob. Right out. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Bye. Thanks, Bob. Cows can just eat just about anything, though, can't they? Well, I thought they got a little bit bloated and sick if they ate certain things. Oh, and the milk went sour and that sort of stuff. Okay, I just thought they just chomped through everything. Well, I, I guess well, maybe they do, but maybe it makes them sick. Well, they're, yeah. Well, they're they're big and well, actually really big when you go up and near a cow. Yeah. They've got a lot of stomachs. They do, don't they? I think it's four. Yeah, that's the that's why cow menu is so good. Oh right. Yeah, because it actually you know does stuff to it as it goes through. Scott, I'd love to talk to you about cows' intestines all day, but <laughs> we've got Brenda from Hamlet Terrace. I'm no vet, <laughs> and she's got a question about lily pillies. Hey Brenda, how can we help you? Oh Scott. Um... Yeah, I was listening to you before on the lily pillies. These are the cascades. I've got about 15 of them. There's a windbreak and um, no, a hedge. Um, this year, while it was dry, I got an infestation of, I'm sure they were witchetty grubs because they're about the size of my ring finger. Um, my dog used to bury, 
dig them up and bring them inside, so they were big and fat and horrible. Yeah. Um, couldn't get rid of them, so finally got rid of them with um, water, with uh, soapy water. Oh, and just drove them back up to the surface, did you? I guess I must have, I don't know. Yeah. But they seem to have gone. Um, but my lily pillies look terrible. Yeah, so... they all died off. They went brown. Yep. Blocked all their leaves. Now they've got new growth about a metre up. Yes. And then they've got new growth on the top. Yeah. But the middle of them is just all this um, terrible, Kim brown, horrible timber. Okay, so but, what, what you actually had was a, a chafer grub, uh, and they're the pupa of uh, the Christmas beetle um, going. Oh, are they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, look, they do do a lot of damage. They get in and eat the, oh. the root system of plants, and especially if, uh, you know, they're in a contained space, they'll do a lot of damage. Uh, yeah. And if it's dry as well, they're going to do a lot of damage as well, and that's what's yeah, happened to your lily pillies, yeah. So oh. you can make them better. Uh, the thing yeah. to do is to start pruning them at the top and telling the plant that if you're going to grow, uh, you have to actually shoot out from the middle pit, um, spots again and, oh, okay. and thicken up from there. Yeah, so if I take about a metre off the top and just get, and get rid of all these dead um, sticks. Yeah, get rid of all the dead growth. And what you'll find is once you take that metre off the top, you'll just start getting new shoots popping out all over the place uh, in the like in oh, the timber wonderful. in the middle here. Yeah, and it will come yeah. back really nicely for you. It might be okay. that a couple of times you have to keep on going over the top of the plant just to keep on reinforcing to it. Uh, uh-huh. that, you know, you're not growing up here anymore. If you're going to grow, you're going to grow down lower. Grow down there. Yeah, yeah, and that's, uh-huh. that's probably the best way to think about it. Uh, and some fertiliser, I suppose, too. Yeah, look, at the moment, uh, I'll just uh, stick with the watering because the plant's going to be a little bit stressed. It really won't have, yeah. you know, the ability to use that fertiliser. If you were going to do some, uh, I would use blood and bone on those particular plants. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, oh. nice and safe on natives. The other thing I forgot to say about uh, Syzygium cascade, and you've just brought it and made me think about it, is that they don't get the you know the pimples on the leaf? That's what I call them. Uh, yeah, no, that, they haven't got that. Yeah, that's a, that's a psyllid that a lot of other lily pillies get, and uh, Cascade seems to be pretty resilient to that, uh, so well, it doesn't yeah. get that on the new growth, and that's another great reason to to put it in. Like you said, it worked as a windbreak for you, but unfortunately, those yeah. chafer grubs have uh, had a bit of a feast. Oh, they've decimated them. Yeah. yeah, but look, they yeah, will come. They will come. Time. They will come back for you. Oh, wonderful. Thank you very much, Scott. Okay, thanks for that, Brenda. Have a nice afternoon. Bye-bye. Bye. We've got Joe from Belford, and he's got a question about planting crab apples. Hello, Joe. How can we help? Uh, g'day, Scott. Yeah, I'm looking at putting in a crab apple, a Malus floribunda. Yes. Um, I saw one on the weekend, and it looked fabulous, you know. Yeah, look, uh, absolutely. Uh, now, the time to plant them, I would suggest waiting until the middle of the year. So when you go into your local garden centre, they'll have a really great variety of them as bare root stock uh, for you to go and get. It's also a bit cheaper to buy it at that time of year as well. And you get a much better you know, range of choice of the, uh, the plant that you're going to get as far as its size and its quality. Uh, so look, yeah, I would definitely wait uh, until the middle of the year and uh, go in and get your crab apple. Then uh, you'll find, apart from the Malus floribunda, you'll find another, you know, a lot of different other varieties as well you can choose from. Yeah, is there any issues with um, um, apple drop? Like, there'd be twenty thousand apples on this tree, you know, and about ten thousand of them will fall off and they'll sort of rot away. Yeah, any I, yeah. Or is there any? Um, 
Oh, anything can happen? Like, can they rot and cause disease or anything? Or Well, they can. I would be most concerned, though, when you've got, uh, you know, rotting fruit. And even though crabapple doesn't have a large fruit on it, uh, if there's a lot of it sitting on the ground, then it's, uh, you know, a feast for fruit fly to come in and start to breed. So if you're trying to, you know, grow other vegetables, tomatoes, uh, other stone fruit around the area, citrus as well, uh, if you've got, uh, you know, a lot of ornamental fruit, be it crabapple fruit sitting on the ground, uh, it is going to be a, an enticement to uh, fruit fly to come in. So, uh, look, I would be trying to clean any, you know, dropped fruit like that off the ground so it doesn't rot away and uh, and attract those insects. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. And uh, what sort of height should I expect to get out of that tree? Uh, yeah, look, crabapple's not an immensely tall growing tree, uh, three metres or so. Uh, the other great thing about them is that uh, come the middle of the year when they've lost their leaves, you can go and prune them back again and get them to a nice shape. So I can keep them to about two, two and a half metres, could I? Yeah, absolutely. Not the quickest growing plant in the world either, so it will take some time to get there. Uh, but, uh, look, a really nice plant. You can keep it under control, and you do get those beautiful ornamental flowers out of them. Fair enough. Are they self-pollinating, or should I... Like, I'm going to put them in with other other apple trees that are normal trees, like... Well, look, you've got to remember crabapple is only an ornamental uh, apple, I guess. Uh, As will it pollinate other apple trees that are in the area? I'm not exactly sure about that. Uh, Mostly, uh, if you go on, uh, you know, jump on the internet, uh, there's especially on the uh, Fleming's website, uh, there'll be a whole long list of pollinating plants on there and what will cross-pollinate other ones. Fair enough. Fair enough. And look, and that list is very, very extensive. Sorry, I can't remember them all. My brain's not that big, uh, but that information is on there, and you'll be able to find out if your crab apple will pollinate other apple trees. Uh, give it a try, see if it does. I'm a little bit doubtful, but um, if it does, um, good luck to you. Fantastic, thanks, Scott. Okay, thank you very much for that, Joe. You mate. Cheers, bye. Cheers, thanks, Joe. It's Gardening Talk back on to when you are at FM. Scott Sharp, we're almost out of time for another week. Is there anything you'd like to mention before you? Well, there was one other hedging plant we were going to have a, a chat oh, about. Oh, that's right, yes. The, yes, the Fatinia. It's out as well at the moment. Uh, new growth on it comes out a beautiful red colour. Uh, it's probably a little bit taller than the uh, Syzygium cascade we were talking about earlier. Yep. Uh, and look, is a little bit tougher, I guess, as far as uh, handling frost. Uh, not quite as tender as the size of Jim Cascade. Certainly at the moment it looks spectacular with the red new growth contrasting with the green foliage. Uh, my favourite one is Virginia Red Robin, seems to be the quickest growing one. Uh, look, no pest and disease with them. Uh, handles, you know, drying out, so they'll do very, very well there. Now the thing with it is, uh, if you let it go a bit rangy and sort of come in, go into a bit of a shrub, it defeats the purpose in a way because by hedging it, uh, you're promoting that new growth, uh, you know, in a nice all-over um, style all over the plant. So mm-hmm. uh, when it does get that growth at this time of year, uh, you get this really beautiful sort of red covering of the plant and then the, the hard green in underneath. Excellent. Scott Sharp, fantastic. Okay, fantastic. Thank Speak you. See you again next week. Perfect. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.